Well, welcome again this morning. A uh, good time to praise God and to worship Him uh, through song. And if you're here for the first time this morning, uh, again, I want to I want to really welcome you um, to our fellowship. We have a time of, of praise and worship. We have a time of, of lifting up our hearts in song to God, uh, which is what you just experienced. And this is a, a time now that we get to uh, look at God's Word more closely, uh, to share God's Word. And I would like to share with you now um, something from God's Word to uh, encourage you and to um, reveal more and more of the beauty of Christ uh, and more and more of the, His Word and what His Word has to say. And this morning I want us to do a little bit of a reflection to start with based on what James tells us in his letter in the book of James. I want us to start with a little bit, a little bit of a reflection because here we sit, all of us, on a Sunday morning from so many different backgrounds and so many different places of faith. And I'm sure we could probably fill the spectrum of faith in this room. And I want us to think a little bit before I share with you from the book of James, I want us to think a little bit about, just take a moment and ask yourself, where is my faith? This idea called faith, faith in God, where is it? In other words, how would I judge my faith to be at the moment? How would I consider faith in a living God? How would I consider this faith to be at the moment? What's the state of its health, if you like? What's its condition? And how would I go about evaluating this faith? How would I actually decide or make a decision on whether my faith is in a good place or perhaps is not in a good place or needs improving? How would I even go about deciding or making a decision based on that? Well, one of the best places to go to is the Word of God, and we're going to go to the Word of God soon on that. But how do I actually start to think about where is my faith and how do I really come to that understanding about my faith being in a place where it should be, where God is actually wanting my faith to be at a certain place? Do I judge it by the amount of things I know about God? Is that how I judge my faith? Do I say to myself that because I know something of the Bible or some things that are in the Bible that I must have a good faith? Do I say that because I'm pretty consistent in my church attendance, that I must have a good faith? Do I say to myself, do I judge it by the fact that I'm a praying person, that I like to pray, or I like to sing, I like to, to worship, and therefore I have a good faith? What's your gauge when it comes to judging your faith? Do I judge it by the fact that I've been a Christian a long time and I think to myself, surely my faith is good because I've been a Christian for years and, and so it kind of has to be good because I'm still a Christian. You know, do, I, do I judge it by these things? And no, there are elements in all these things that are good and, and healthy. Um, I'd like to suggest that these aren't the things in themselves that we judge our faith by. That there's more that the scripture tells us when it comes to looking more closely at our faith. But I want us to think this morning as we read James, as we hear what God is telling us through this letter, I want us to think, well, you know what, if I was going to come to a conclusion about where my faith is at, then I need to come to an honest conclusion. I need to be aware that my faith, where my faith is actually at. I need to understand. I can't keep thinking to myself, it's okay if it's not okay. I need to come to a real honest understanding that if my faith isn't where it should be, then the God of faith, the God, the author and finisher of our faith, wants to build and strengthen this faith of yours because this is what he wants in everybody. 
Everybody who claims to have a faith, God is not satisfied with just something of a faith. He wants full faith. He wants you to be all in, everything of God. Even when it seems impossible, this is where faith comes alive. And so there are some things in scriptures that tell us a bit about our faith because God is keen, God is, God is willing, God is desiring that none of us lack faith. He wants us all to have a faith that is, that is strong. And James, James goes to the, the, the author, James, when he writes this book, when he writes this letter, he goes to the effort to describe some of this faith because as I was reading through this letter and as I was thinking about the people he was writing to, because you know when you write to someone, you tend to think about where they're at as a people. And so when he's writing to these people and he's writing this letter to them, it seems to reveal that these people had some issues that struggled with faith. They seemed to have some problems that faith was, um, was missing in some areas of their life. They were people that seemed to... Um, but they needed to have endurance. There were people that perhaps that were struggling with being patient. Or perhaps you could even say they were a bit inconsistent with how they lived their life. They were a people that kind of um, were, lacked a bit of self-control. They, they, kind of, they kind of perhaps said things that they shouldn't be saying. They were kind of weren't able to tame things about how they spoke. There are people that kind of loved things of this world and kind of like, what can I get next in life, people? I've got this now, I'm going to get this next, and next year I'm going to get that thing. Kind of consumerism, always thinking about the next thing they're going to have. There were some issues among these people, and James had to address them because what he was looking at when he saw a people like this, he saw a lack of faith. And then he saw a people that also lacked compassion, kind of people who struggled to have compassion on those who needed compassion. And in all these things, he saw a bit of inconsistency, perhaps, a lack of endurance, a consumerism, a lack of compassion. And he was kind of maybe, maybe he's thinking to himself, where's faith in all this? And so he wanted to address those issues. He wanted to make sure that these issues were being addressed and resolved. And he knew that the one great way that we're going to be able to do this is to have faith. So he gave some examples, he spoke about Job, he spoke about other situations, Rahab, and he spoke about people in the Bible because he wanted to encourage their faith. And I hope this morning this is what God can do to you through this word. So turn with me to James chapter 2. I want to go to James chapter 2 and have a look at this chapter. And I want to refer to a, refer to a few things that, um, <clears throat> that James, is, James is speaking about in this because what he's trying to address is trying to make sure that um, people don't find themselves in a place where they think they have something but they don't. He, he doesn't want that for them. Rather, he wants them to be sure that their faith is real. He actually says quite a remarkable thing because you know what? Sometimes for us, when we say we have something and we don't, that's actually, the Bible calls that like a deception. 
And he says something quite remarkable. He says, you know what? You don't want to just go around saying that you believe because that's not the kind of thing. You don't want to find yourself ticking boxes because you just maybe believe in God because he makes this quite remarkable statement in this chapter. He says something like this. He says, do you believe? In other words, do you have faith? And then he says something quite phenomenal, something that probably would have knocked them off their seat as they were reading. He says, do you believe? That's good. But the devil believes. But he trembles. I thought, wow, what are you saying? He's saying, well, I can't believe. He says, no. He's saying, listen, your belief in God is great, but if you rest only in saying to yourself, I believe, and there's nothing that is produced from this belief, there's nothing that is lived out because of this belief, he's like saying to them, be warned. Because you know this thing called the devil who is real, the enemy of God, he also believes. He knows there's a God. He understands God exists. He knows God created the universe. He knows that God is sovereign. He knows that Jesus died on a cross. He knows all these things. In fact, you could probably say he's the best at believing. He's seen it all. But he trembles because he does not have faith. His faith means nothing. It doesn't, it's not lived out in the sovereign lordship of God. In other words, that he is God and owes all my life. He doesn't live like that. And he trembles because he knows one day he'll be judged. He knows how great he is. And he probably, he probably wonders, why don't so many people tremble like me who don't believe in God, who, don't, who just say they believe in God? He probably thinks, wow, they're, they're brave. I'm trembling because he knows who God is. So James is not hiding anything from us. He wants us to be really honest with ourselves. He wants us to be honest about who we are as people. He wants us to be really honest about where our faith is at. And he says to them, you've got to live by this faith. Because one of the worst things that we can do as Christians is to... And he says this later in chapter 4. He says one of the worst things you can do as Christians is to know to do good and not do it. Do you understand that? He goes, to, to know to do good... And to not do it. Because that's sin. I know I've got to love this person, but I'm choosing not to. I know I've got to forgive this person, but I'm not going to. Yeah? And so he says one of the worst things you can do, I would even suggest one of the most dangerous things you can do, is to know to do good and not do it. Because it's not faith. So all we're doing is living by our humanness. All we're doing is living by how we are humanly. And, and, and everybody can live like that. Everybody can live humanly, but to live by faith requires the strength and the power of God. And this is where relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ is at the heart of all that we're talking about because faith produces these works that are good. And that's what we're going to read about. Faith produces the works where you say in your own heart, I can't do this. In fact, this message is really about you and I stopping, stopping anything that suggests things like I can't and I won't. Have you ever used those words before? I can't do this. I, can't, I know what you're saying, but I can't do it. Or, or I know, I'm hearing what you're saying, but I, I won't do this. All these phrases, come, they resist the will of God and they're not phrases of faith. They're phrases of humanness. They restrict us. They limit us down to humanness, which is not what faith is. 
What faith is is to rise up above this and to live in the obedience of Christ the way Christ lived. You become the hands and the feet of Jesus who was consistent, who did endure, who showed self-control and who was compassionate. Everything these people weren't or were struggling with. And so James wants to encourage us to know, you know what? If this is where your faith is at, and that's how you judge it and evaluate it this morning, boy, let God blow it away and let him raise it, let him bring it, let him strengthen it up to where it needs to be. Let him work in you the faith that he came to do and accomplish in you. Let him do it. Stop resisting him. Stop holding back things from him. Go in all the way or don't go in at all. Let faith do what it has to do. Let God do the faith that he has to do in you. It's not about how long you've been a Christian. It's not about the words that you use. It's about you living out this faith. So let me read the first part of this passage. I'm going to break up this chapter in a couple of sections. Uh, first section is verses one, <clears throat> 1 to 9. He says, My brethren, do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with partiality. For if there should come into your assembly, that's the church, a man with gold rings in fine apparel, and there should also come in a poor man in filthy clothes, and those around us that we know aren't as well off as us. And you pay attention to the one wearing the fine clothes, and you say to him, oh, you sit here in a good place, come sit next to me, you know, you're my friend. And you say to the poor man, you stand over there, you smell. Or you sit here at my footstool because I'm better than you. Because you're poor and shabby. You haven't got a job like me. You don't work. You don't look like me. You don't wear the brand labels, the names. You sit at my footstool because you buy other labels. Have you not shown partiality among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brethren. Has not God chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith? And heirs of the kingdom which he has promised to those who love him. But you have dishonored the poor man. Do not the rich oppress you and drag you into the courts? Do they not blaspheme that noble name by which you are called? But if you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you do well because this takes faith. It takes faith to say, you know what? There is nobody that I should consider better, I'm better than them. There is nobody that is undeserving of my compassion and my care. There is nobody that I should keep a distance from because somehow they're different from me. But if I can't live and show compassion and dwell among those who have need and great need, sometimes need beyond my capacity, then where's my faith? If every time I see someone who's different to me that I think I can't get along with, I walk in the other direction, where's my faith? When Jesus walked toward them, Jesus was willing to go to them. Jesus was willing to travel for them, be persecuted for them, and be mocked for them. And so what he's saying here is that this is faith in action. This is faith that is real because it doesn't look at self. It doesn't examine faith based on if it's convenient or if it's nice or if it's comfortable or if it's going to make me look better or somehow give me more friends. 
It's faith that is driven by the hands and the feet of Jesus alone. You get that? This is faith. So if we're coming to be Christians because we want a comfortable life, then we might as well pack our bags and go home. But if we're coming to be Christians because we realise that we are lost, needing salvation, and we are lost for eternity without the gift of God, and from this faith he leads us into a perfect will and purpose for our life, then come, learn and grow. Learn and grow in this faith. Because I'll tell you what faith is not. Faith is not knowledge. Just because you know more things doesn't mean you have faith. Agree? Faith isn't knowledge. Faith isn't saying, oh, I can, I can, I can tell you the Sermon on the Mount. I can give you the Ten Commandments. I can tell you all the books of the Bible. That's not faith. I can quote scripture. I can memorize Bible verses. That is not faith. That may build faith, but it's not faith. Faith is not knowledge. So I'm not interested in knowledge. I, I love discussing knowledge. If you want to come up to me and discuss theology with me, I love that. Have a beautiful, I love to come and talk to me theology, but that's not what inspires me. That's not what I'm talking about. That's not what encourages me. Knowledge is not faith. Faith is not being enlightened. Listen carefully. When you come to church or you're worshipping or you're reading the Bible or you're listening to a song and all of a sudden you have that feeling in you This is whoa, oh, that was amazing what I just realised. Oh, it's just God, God just spoke to me. That's not faith. Do you understand? That's not what faith is. It's what you do with that becomes faith. If, you, if you're worshipping God and all of a sudden you think, oh, God just revealed to me, I've got to love people. God, thank you. And then you stop worshipping and someone says something bad to you and you get upset with them. What happened? Didn't God just reveal to you to love people? Faith isn't being enlightened. Faith is far deeper than that. Faith is more important to that. The disciples were being enlightened every day with Jesus. It didn't mean they had faith. They had Jesus in the boat with them. And they didn't have faith. Faith is not about being enlightened. Faith is not saying to yourself, oh, I must have faith because look at that person in the church. They're not like me. You ever done that before? They're not like me. You know, I'm kind of a bit further down the line of faith. You know, I kind of know more than them. I, I, I know more people and I'm kind of involved more. That's not faith because you're somewhere more along the line of the Christian life than someone else, and they're not living faith. They don't have a family like yours. They don't have kids like yours. They don't have a life like yours, and somehow they've got less faith. That's not faith. Their family might be chaotic, but they have more faith than you. Faith is not even comparing yourself with someone else and saying to yourself, oh, look at them, man. Look at that preacher. How am I going to have his faith? That's not even faith. That's a lack of faith to say that. Because what happens in the Christian life sometimes, we get a bit of spiritual envy. It's like you look around the church and think, oh man, when am I going to ever become like that person? As if to say God's holding back something from you and that you're not deserving to become like that person. When does the Bible ever teach that? God gives faith to the poor. He makes them rich in faith. He said, Jesus cried out and said, thank you, Father, that you didn't reveal these things to the wise and the prudent, but you revealed them to babes. Faith 
It's not about you thinking to yourself, oh, am I going to ever become like this person? No, get it out of your mind. Jesus wants to build your faith and it's only a breath away. It's not about becoming like someone else. You might be inspired by people, but this is not faith. Faith is looking into the face of Jesus and knowing everything he did and lived, his feet, his hands, his obedience and his righteousness can become yours. That's faith. And it's not years away, beloved. Do you understand? It's not years away. It's a prayer away. And so James is challenging their idea of how they're seeing faith. He's challenging this, this, this outward look of saying to people, you know what, you look really good. Why don't you come and sit next to me? You know, I like, don't like the way you look. You, know, you don't look like you're someone with faith. And so you can actually maybe sit over there. In fact, what he's building on, he's building on something he just spoke about in the previous chapter. If you just look very quickly at chapter 1, verse 27, he's building on this idea of how we are moved to be like Christ in everything we do and amongst the people we mingle with. And he's building on this idea. Chapter 1, verse 27, the Bible says, pure an undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. And so James is actually challenging something here. That faith moves into areas where others will not dare to go. Do you understand? Because in those days, the orphans and the widows would have been the marginalized. They would have been the people on the fringes. It's like, oh, who wants to hang out with those people? The losers of society. And so all of a sudden, faith is saying, you know what? That's not me because nothing about my faith is about me. It's about the hands and feet of Jesus. So who can I go to that others will not dare to go to? Do you understand? This is faith. It's moving out of who you are into who Christ is in all things. It's moving to connect with people who Christ loves himself. That's why he got, he got mocked for hanging out with people others wouldn't mock, hang out with. He got laughed at, ridiculed, challenged, confronted because of this. Because he knew that faith is not partial. Do you understand? Faith doesn't show partiality. Faith doesn't say, you know what, I, I want to treat this person better than that person. And if in our hearts we treat one person better than another person, then we lack faith. Because faith isn't partial. And if anybody in our fellowship ever felt like they were being treated less than someone else, then that's an indictment on the church. Because that's not faith. You see, what we do is we step out in faith and say, you know what, you're part of our fellowship, we love you, we love you, we love you, because you love Jesus. Because you're part of a family, you see? And so we don't distinguish and say, oh, because you are like this, and that's not me, and you're like this, and that's like me, so you're kind of, you're a better member of the church. No, that's not faith. And so James is challenging the concept of the idea of, of partiality because faith works uh, amongst for all people, he says, you know, because even the rich people, you want, to, you, want to, you want to make something better of the rich, it's the rich people that actually drag you to court and say, look, here's the Christian, kill him. He says, what are you doing? It's the poor that God intended to make rich in faith. They're the ones we should be attracted to. I'm not saying go look for a poor person. I'm saying the people, that all people that God puts in your way, that God is calling us to a heart of compassion. There is actually 
uh, a responsibility for us as Christians never to show partiality. This is faith because faith is not limited by your ability. Do you understand? You don't say to yourself, oh, come on, Barry, I can't do that. All of a sudden, we've stepped into a realm of a lack of faith. Do you understand? What, you're telling me I need to reconcile? I need to fix this, this problem I have with my partner. I need to go and say sorry to my work colleague. All of a sudden, you've stepped into a realm that has no faith. Because faith, listen, beloved, listen carefully to what I'm going to say. Listen, I'm going to say it again. Faith is not limited by your ability. Faith is only limited by the will of God. Do you understand? If it's the will of God, God will enable it. Faith is not bound by your doubts. Do you understand? If you doubt, yes, that might, you might struggle and God may need to build this faith, but faith isn't limited by your doubts. Sometimes the most simple prayers of faith are the prayers that are effective because they are driven by faith. Listen, they're not driven by you because you come to God and say, you know what, God? All right, I've got my 10-step plan to how I'm going to share the gospel with my friend. And you've got it all worked out. And you're guaranteed it's going to work because you know what you're going to do. That's not necessarily faith. Good on you for stepping out. But faith is knowing that God, when you can't, and you're doubting, faith is in control and can do it. This is faith. My father was really unwell. And I thought, my life, I thought to myself, how is he going to come to the Lord? How am I going to share faith with this man? I love him, he's my dad. He was always resistant. And I remember thinking to myself, I distinctly remember where I was standing. It was a Friday. I just looked up to the Lord and said, Lord, and I was at work. I said, I don't know what else I can do. You've got to do something. I don't know what else I can do. You've just got to do something. God heard that, I believe. He heard a simple, helpless man crying out in faith. The next day, the next day, he gives his heart to the Lord. The following day, he passes away. I can't explain it any other way than faith. I can't explain it any other way. Was God, is God, does God um, love me more? No. Does God think more highly of? No. I just came in simple faith. I trusted God, do what you've got to do, but I can't do it anymore. I don't know what else to do. I don't know what else to do. Faith works beyond what we consider to be our ability. Faith isn't partial, isn't, isn't trying to look for things that make us feel comfortable and us feel good. Faith, God hears the cry of faith. And then finally, I'll just, I'll just want to wrap it up with this. Faith, he says, has to show itself by these things that I am talking about. Look at verse 14. Verse 14 of chapter 2. He says, What is a prophet, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? That's a wonderful theological discussion that we can have. Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food and one of you says to them, oh, depart in peace and be warmed and filled, but you don't give them the things which are needed for the body, 
What does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. And what James is trying to say here, you know what? You just can't rely and think to yourself that saying the nice things and doing good things and believing certain things is going to be all that it needs to save you. Faith without works is dead. If a man comes up to me and he's cold because he's got hardly any clothes on and he's hungry, and I say, oh, go be filled and warmed. Off you go. Does it help him? No. That that word has no effect. Does it help me? Absolutely not. Probably makes me a worse man. Yeah? These things don't do anything unless I'm prepared to step out in faith and be the hands and feet of Jesus to live in obedience as he did in righteousness and do the will of God, then where is my faith? And I'm not talking about good works, good deeds. I'm not talking about going out and helping a poor man. That's part of it. What I'm talking about is when you step out and do the things that you call hard. That's faith. You know, when you've got to love your enemy, you've got to forgive the one who offended you, Uh, you've got to go to the extra mile, you've got to humble yourself and say sorry, you've got to go out and help those who need help when it's not comfortable for you. You may not have much, but you need to give because you know it's the right thing to do. It's where faith works and becomes the reflection of the obedience of Christ. This is faith. And James says quite clearly, without this, it's actually dead. doesn't matter what you say. It does no profit to you. And there's no profit to the other person. It's like the people who say, they go around and they use Christian vocabulary and they, they say, oh, God bless you. But there's no faith. And they might say, oh, praise the Lord, but there's no faith. They might even do the sign of the cross, but there's no faith. It's action that, that, that is faith that is led to reflect the obedience of Christ. That's your faith at a whole other level. This is the faith God is bringing you to. This is the faith God is calling you to. And if you say, I can't or I won't, then you live in the realm of unbelief. There was a man who owned a little business. He used to use his rowboat to travel, take passengers places. And very cleverly, he wrote on one oar, he wrote the word works. He carved it in. And on the other oar, he, wrote, he carved in the words faith. And he'd row them, the passengers. And the one time a passenger said to him, what's that about? He said, let me show you. He put the faith one down and he started rowing with works. So he just went around and around and around. And then he put the works one down and he grabbed the faith one and he started paddling. He just went around and around and around and around. That's not the faith, beloved. The faith is a faith that lives out in, and reflects the life of Christ because nothing Nothing that is in the will of God is beyond the capacity of his children. You understand? And that, you don't go around anymore. You tired of going around? You go. You move. I don't want a ch- we don't want a church with people going around because we're robbing you of the faith that God has called you to. The faith that takes you into a life that is willing to give up all and everything to live for Christ. 
Because then he begins to fulfill his purpose and his plan in you. This is, this is the, um, the faith that has works because without it, it is, it is dead. That's why in, earlier in the, in the book he says, Beloved, you've got to stop being hearers only of the word. You've got to start being doers. You've got to stop being hearers. And you've got to be doers. So friends, I just want to very simply ask you, when you reflect on your own faith, do you put your faith in God all the way? Because what God is saying is that's what he's asking you to do. Do you put it all the way through trials? Do you put it all the way through times of peace? Do you put it all the way when there's a need? Or do you put it all the way when you have everything you need? Whatever, do you put it all the way? What about when you're not well spoken of? Or even when you are well spoken of? Do you put all the faith, all the way in God? When you don't have what other people have? When your friends let you down or when you have lots of friends? I don't really mind what situation it is. It's got to be the faith that God has called you to. And it takes a really honest person, a really honest person who says, I don't want to do religion, I don't want to do church, I don't want to just play games and come and tick boxes and say, I've been to church, I've read my Bible, I've said a prayer, I've worshipped God. I want to be a Christian who lives by faith. And if that's your heart's desire, when we pray this morning, just pray. Pray with me. Say, God, you know what? That's the faith I want. I don't want a faith that is kind of just a belief that has no fruits, no genuine Christ-like fruit. I want everything in my life to reflect the hands and feet of Jesus. Amen? Let me pray for us. Let's pray together as a church. As we reflect on the life of faith that God has called us to, God has given us everything that we need The author and perfecter of our faith has given us everything we need to build this faith. Come to him this morning and with a sincerity of heart say to him, Lord, if my faith is not where it should be or perhaps even say, Lord, my faith is not where it should be. Lord, make it. Here I am. Here I am. That everything I do and say Every person I meet, every conversation I have, every opportunity I have, every trial, every time someone offends me, every time there's a difficulty at work or every time there is chaos at home, this is my faith, Lord, to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Father, we want to thank you for a tremendous privilege and opportunity to be Christ on this earth. Lord, we can reflect your love, your care, your, your patience, your uh, endurance, your compassion. That everything of your will we're capable of. 
and within the realm of possibility because of faith. Lord, you don't show partiality. You don't say to one person here, go and be strong and live well, and to another you hold back. But to all who call upon your name, to all who cry out in faith, you are very generous. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. We thank you for this, that we can rest in the knowledge that you are so ready to give. So we come in faith, Lord. We come in faith to live in faith. And we pray, Lord, strengthen our faith, build our faith, that all that people see is the image of your son. Thank you for this place, Lord. Thank you for all those who serve, for those who help. May they continue to do this in faith. Thank you for all those who are stirred up this morning and pray that you would continue to build their faith. And we pray these things in Jesus' name.